You're listening to Wisdom of the Ages, the show that taps into the many expressions of universal, ancestral, and personal wisdom to ignite evolutionary consciousness. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Wisdom of the Ages. So over the years, I've shared all kinds of of episodes about what it is to be intuitive and psychic and and we're going to really delve into this today. So I'm I'm the author of the Legends of the Grail series and this is sort of a fictional version of fictional way of understanding the great gifts that many of the ladies of the lake, many of the great uh, heroes and heroines of the past have used their superpowers. So that's why I am a host of Wisdom of the Ages. And you know, I'm just going to ask a couple of questions. Have you ever had the sense that someone was going to call you and then they do, or that something has happened to a loved one and it has, or had a dream that someone that you love, maybe a departed family member has a message for you. Okay. So if you, if you have had any of those things happen, you're psychic. And what I really want you to hear is that these experiences are normal. <laughs> <laughs> they happen to everybody. I have no idea why we've been so frightened of it, but we might talk about that today. My guest is professional healer and intuitive Anne O'Brien, who has written a really lovely book called Everyone is Psychic. She really normalizes what it is to be intuitives. It's time. It's really time for this. So I've known Anne O'Brien for many years, and over that time, I've seen her talents grow. So the one thing about getting older is that you really get to see some people blossom, and she's one of those people. Her book, A Woman's Guide to Conscious Love, is an Amazon bestseller. So Anne is practical. She's down to earth. She's also very intuitive, and she has helped thousands of clients around the world. So let's face it, right now, we need good intuitive support. Now, I'm. we need external support in the form of teachers, in the form of podcast information in terms of books, we need this because that inspires us in some way. It, it, we begin to ask questions and it can help us grow. But we also need clarity about establishing our own inner guidance and sovereignty. In fact, that's really our work. And we're going to go into that today, how important sovereignty is. Another thing I really like about Anne O'Brien is that she helps people find the right questions. She can help them solve the challenge. If you have the right question, if you go into inquiry and you have the right question, it's much easier to solve the challenges you're facing. So we'll talk about that too. She isn't a fortune teller. I mean, sometimes you think psychic fortune teller, but she's not a fortune teller. She, you know, the future is something that isn't here yet. It's something that's unfolding. And so Anne encourages people to be in the present moment because when we're fully present, we're in a place of strength. And from a place of strength, we can really move forward. So being present tends to attract the best possible future. So this is really how she shows up as a healer. Also being present helps you stay protected. So I, I really like her work. I, there, um, This little book, uh, really lovely book, Everyone is Psychic, has lots of exercises and visualizations there were a couple I really enjoyed doing. And you can go onto her website, uh, which is annobryanliving.com, and look at, at her book and her uh, another book that she has too. And um, also, if you want to do a private session with her, or take some classes or just follow her, 
her lovely, she puts a lot of quotes out that are really lovely too, that I enjoy. Okay. So we're going to take a quick ad break. And when we get back, I'm going to enter, I'm going to bring Anne O'Brien on and we're going to discuss what it is to be psychic. So this will be fun. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the superpower network. If you're ready to transform yourself and transform the world through podcasting, we invite you to join us. We co-create a non-competitive, collaborative environment designed to support you as you step into your greatness. Go now to superpowerexperts.com and click on the Programs tab to get started today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Wisdom of the Ages. If you love this information, this material, you want to join me, you want to follow all these wild conversations that we're having, if you think you're in the process of spiritual awakening, come in and explore more on superpowerexperts.com slash wisdom of the ages. And I also have a new podcast, which is really about bringing solutions to an evolving humanity. And that one, superpowerexperts.com slash message. No, no. Yeah. Messages of infinite light, messages of infinite light. So check that one out too. And especially if you're interested in, in how we can solve some of the problems that we're facing. So Okay, so today we're speaking with brilliant guest Anne O'Brien about her new book, Everyone is Psychic. So hello, Anne. Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on. I, I, Like I said, I told you before we started, but I really enjoyed your book. And uh, both of us have been at this for a long time. So it's <laughs> nice when, when you know, something lovely comes out of it, right? Perfect, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time because it feel I feel that people are awakening now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I started in the late nineties studying and I started before that as a teenager, kind of bumbling around trying to figure this stuff out. And now I hold this book in my hands and it has weight because there's decades of, of background in this, but you're right. You know, the world wasn't really ready yet until now ish, you know, I, I just feel like this is a great time ever since March of 2020, my business grew, you know, people are like, what's going on? I need help. So <laughs> they're, they're, people are looking inward, which is really exciting. Uh, it's really true. It is really true. I mean, it's interesting to see what has been thriving. The podcast has been thriving. The publishing world's been thriving, right? Oh, the intuitive yeah. world, is, uh, all the people I know who are psychics are thriving. And also, the nurseries. I was over at a, uh, a wonderful wild edibles nursery Beautiful. the other day and everyone's buying plants because, well, I mean, for a whole variety of reasons, but mostly it's like somehow people are getting attuned. So it's lovely. I'm doing the same thing here in Colorado. <laughs> That's great. That's really great. Okay. So, so, okay. What brought this book into being? I, I loved your other book too, which was really on, maybe it's the phases of your life. I'm not really sure, but mm-hmm. what, yeah, why write this book now? Well, this is like if I was a band, this is the song I've been playing for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I honestly wasn't gonna write the book because I was kind of like, yeah, whatever, I could do that in my sleep, you know. But then my mother passed away and I kind of had this come to Jesus moment of like, gosh, what is my life about? What am I good at? What do I need to leave behind? And I was like, this, I have to write this book. And so this book is based on 10 years of curriculum. And, you know, I could tell you kind of how I got into the work to begin with, but in terms of the book itself, I wrote the book because I realized this is something that I'm good at, that I help people with. And I just really got a clear hit. The world needs this information and it was time to put it in a book form. Well, your guidance was spot on, clearly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and thank you for, for helping 
you know, for helping so much. I mean, with this, now, you know, something's happening because years and years ago, I mean, I think I started working with my, my first spiritual teacher is Dottie Hook in like 1990, might have yeah. been four, but it was like a long time ago. And at that point we were kind of had, you know, full moon circles and we would talk about um, colors, you know, and it was, there may be four or five people there. Right? <laughs> and, and now yeah. we just looked at the numbers for wisdom of the ages uh, for 2021, there were 5 million downloads. So it's, wow. What's happening? Clearly there's a spiritual awakening going on, right? Yes. Yes. And while it might look like things are dark and things are depressing, it's like, there's this too, and they go together sometimes, you know, the dark well, freaks out when there's this much light coming in. And, and then when there's that much dark, people go, okay, let me find the light. And people kind of find what they wouldn't have found otherwise. So I find that really exciting. That's true. That is true. Cause if you, if you really look at the new, I, one thing that's really funny is that I live on, on a mountaintop and my, my internet keeps going off and the phone service all through ever since like <laughs> since the, the pandemic started. So there might be weeks that go by without me really knowing what the, uh, you know, the news is saying. And then I come to town and I'm a little bit shocked because it's not what I'm experiencing in my yeah. own, in my own world, in my own reality. There's actually something else that's going on, which has been really pretty freeing and beautiful. So why do you, I mean, is this part of the awakening? Like, what do you feel? I mean, I don't know if, if that's been your experience too, but what do you feel is going on right now? In the world? Yeah. It's a big question. Gosh. We might as well just jump straight in there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think what I just said was, was some of what I'm feeling. It's like this like war between the light and the dark. Mm -hmm. right? And there is more light coming. And so the dark's freaking out and then people have to choose and, you know, and, and then there's a place where we have to go, wait a minute. It's not about polarity. It's not about separation. It's about unity, but not. And I have this chapter, which you mentioned in my book about spiritual sovereignty. It's not unity where we're all mushy and we're all the same. And I talk about this in my last book in the woman's guide to conscious love. Polarity is a real thing. You know, we have masculine, feminine, we've got light and dark, but, and we're each individual, like a flower in the garden, you know, we're out in the wild, like we're all an expression of God, but we have a different way of, of being and looking and showing up and relating with our environment. So um, I think it's time for us to find our sovereignty and then from there, find our unity. And that's something maybe we've never done on the planet, at least as far as I, I could remember. Well, I did write this, this series of books called Legends of the Grail. Okay, and they're about the, the, the women who really hold sovereignty. It's been, it's been something that I've been curious about for a long time. They say, I mean, sovereignty is really when you are your own person. You yeah. own your own property. You have your own thoughts. You take care of your, you know, you're 100% responsible, responsible for who you are. And now, and it's hard to find that unless you go way back in time. That's so like my fair, it's really sort of fairy grail lady of the lake. That's where I had been doing my research in sort of early Welsh period Irish. Um, uh, so because in that day and age, a man could not be a king unless the, the, oh, actually it was a, like a lady, it was some sort of magical woman deemed it so. It might have been Queen Maeve. It might have been another one. But the, the one who held sovereignty was always a woman. And she would say, 
yes, you can rule as king. I, I noticed that you have what it takes to be a leader. Without that, Hmm. A person couldn't lead because the land would go into despair. The feminine was in connection with the land. And, and so, and the masculine, if he wasn't right, he could throw the whole thing out of whack, which, you know, we could talk about too. (laughs) So much there. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I I loved uh, your discussion in your book about sovereignty because, and I felt it was something important to talk about on wisdom of the ages, it's some, you know, some questions, maybe some questions. You're very good at finding questions that maybe the listeners could think about today. So are you sovereign? Are you sovereign in certain areas? Are you maybe not in other ways, but you, you want to run with that? Sure. Well, I guess I'll get into some of the, uh, the way I teach that in terms of psychic exercises and within the realm of, you know, figuring out that you're psychic. So the way I figured out I was psychic is I, I was just feeling everything all the time. You know, the term empath is used a lot to describe that people who just feel everything, absorb everything. So I was one of those and I didn't know I was psychic. And so it's very far from, you know, this idea that a psychic is this fortune teller that has magic powers. I was a psychic, but I was just overwhelmed and emotional all the time. (laughs) And I thought, you know, people's problems, other people's problems were mine. Other people's desires were mine. And I was very, very psychic and that's what was going on. But I didn't have anybody to explain that to me. You know, that was far from my reality at the time. So it took many years. It took from maybe age 12, I wrote my first paper, like proving the existence of ESP (laughs) and then (laughs) sensory perception and describing the different types of psychic abilities at 12 years old. And then at 14, I got a tarot deck. I got, I learned to read astrology charts before the internet could do it. So I did the mathematical calculations to do astrology and I was doing charts for the boys I had crushes on. And I was doing that instead of doing my homework, you know, so that was my passion, (laughs) but I had no idea like what I was doing. I didn't have a teacher. And so fast forward, into my mid twenties, I finally found a psychic school. And so my friends were like, Whoa, like you're learning to be a psychic. And as soon as I got a little bit into it within the first few months, I was like, no, 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 I am in therapy. Like, that's what it feels like. Because what I was realizing was all this stuff that I've been processing for all this time, all my life so far, so much of it wasn't mine. And what I was learning was the psychic part was easy. Like somebody sat in front of me and they asked me a question. They said their name. I could tell them something about themselves or that question they asked. And I was accurate. That wasn't hard. The hard part was like, oh my God, like, what am I doing with my life and all these feelings that I don't need to be feeling. And so sovereignty, you know, in terms of being psychic, it's like recognizing which feelings are yours, which thoughts are yours, which desires are yours, which intentions for your life are yours, what's your real purpose, who who are you? And that takes some time of unpeeling. And then an exercise I give people, not even an exercise, just a, a quick hack, like how do you figure this out? If you can't solve it, it's not yours. If you can't process something, it's not yours. So people come to me and they're like, I'm crying. I can't, you know, I, as much as I cry, I don't feel better. Or I'm angry and I don't know why. And then I, real, I go, well, that's probably because you have, it's like having a puzzle piece to someone else's puzzle. And you're never going to fit it into your puzzle and they're never going to get better. You know, if you think you're healing them, you're, you're joking, you're, you're fooling yourself because they're not going to solve it. If you have their puzzle piece, you got to give it back. And so that's kind of, you know, an intro into sovereignty from the psychic lens. That's interesting. Cause it, you also are tapping into 
like ancestral healing, which can, which mm-hmm. is, can also be really, really, really deep, uh, you know, and, and, you know, in, from a more religious perspective, you could say that the, you know, we say that the sins of the father visited seven times upon you. And there's something to that. I, I think that also the gifts of the family, it's not necessarily just the father either, but the, that what, what your lineage has been up to for a long time tends to make you in some way. And I, I feel that sovereignty is, it's not that you necessarily, you might have to step out of it for a little while just so you can see the patterns. So I don't think it's, it's disconnecting necessarily, but it's about f- finding presence and finding your, your real skills, tools, and capacities and then showing back up so that you, when you show back up with sovereignty, with present, you keep saying presence too. And they're, I think they're very connected. Sure. When you show back up in that way, then you're a power in the world. You show up as a power, a, a force for good in the world. Or hopefully force for good. It's powerful either however you decide to work with it. But what, what do you feel about that, about ancestral healing? Absolutely. Yeah, I do a lot of ancestral healing for myself, for my clients it's big, you know, we have so many layers of what's bothering us, right? Or what yeah. blocks us and what gives us our gifts, right? So there's our past lives, our soul's history, there's our ancestral line, there's our current life and our environment and our childhood and all that. Um, yeah, I think what you're touching on goes a lot into how do you have unity, but also individuality. And, and when you're talking, what I'm thinking of is it's not about getting rid of the thing. Like you can't get rid of your ancestry, right? You probably wouldn't want to, but it's about finding your freedom in relationship to it. So if I'm feeling some sadness that comes from my father's lineage, you know, I'm probably always, that's always going to be there on some level, but I can find my presence and go, wow, I was able to see that. And one of the reasons I love my path as a psychic and healer is the more I see, the more I get free. So if I'm able to see it, it's not, I'm not in the middle of it anymore. I can go, wait a minute. I'm an infinite spark of light. I'm a divine being. And I'm witnessing that instead of getting all wrapped up in it and thinking it's my identity. Right. So there's a, there's one part, there's a drama that you can get sucked into, which is part of the earth experience. We're really supposed to be here to get into the drama. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh gosh. We're <laughs> <laughs> learning. We're all learning and growing. And right. Yeah. But then there's this other part where you can step back and go, oh, hang on a second. I'm really a soul. I'm, I'm actually a really wise soul here. When I, what am I learning here? And how can I show up with some wisdom in this moment? And there's always something in us that allows that energy to come in. So you have to take responsibility for that part. Otherwise, you're not really healing. You know, you'll get rid of it, but it'll come back. I really like the part in your book when you talked about this was psychic protection. And it's something that I think a lot of people are interested in. Do you want to just do a little run through on that part? Like how you actually with presence protect yourself? Sure. Yes. Um, So one of the analogies I give is let's say you left your house for months and you left the doors and windows open and it was obvious that it was vacant. And then you came home and there's homeless people that have moved in and there's beer cans and there's pizza boxes all over. Would you be surprised? (laughs) Because you've given an opening, right? So if you leave your body, you, the spiritual being that is infinite, that is that spark of light. If you're not in your body for months, years at a time, you know, a lot of us kind of check out in early trauma and we don't, we never fully come back. So if that's the case, you're vulnerable and you will feel a need for psychic protection because you've left your place open. 
right? Whereas if you maybe come and go for the afternoon, but it's clear that somebody lives there, that you're home, the lights are on, there's activity going on, and that's you, the spirit being in your body, you know, people aren't going to invade your body or your house. Energies don't have that opening to come in because you're there. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good, a really good point. You also use the rose a lot yes. for cleansing and protection. You want to talk about that? Sure. As I was taught, the rose is an ancient symbol and it means being unique yet connected to the whole. So everything we're talking about with sovereignty, you know, Um, so we, you know, in my training and now in my teaching, in my work, I use a rose for many things. I'll use a rose for protection. Like, so let's say somebody does feel need for psychic protection. They feel vulnerable. I mean, it's not wrong to need psychic protection. Sometimes we do either because of what you're going through or an environment you're in. You can use a rose and put it on the edge of your aura. So on the edge of your energy field, a few feet out, make it fluffy. And that way, if energy comes your way, it'll hit the rose instead of getting into your field. And then you can go send the rose off, explode it and make a new one if you need it. So that's one use. Another use is to do a reading. So if I say to you, close your eyes and imagine a rose that represents your best friend or somebody close to you, and you do that and you can picture a rose, you're psychic. You know, the rose is a great entry point to visualization and then reading the rose like a metaphor. So being psychic is like poetry. You know, people think it's going to be, oh my God, I have to get the details right. But no, no, no. Just start like a kid in kindergarten and get curious. Like what color is this rose? Is it fluffy? Does it have a lot of thorns? Is it in a dry environment? Does it look thirsty or is it moist or, you know, and then from there you can go, oh, what are the, what does that mean to me? What does that color make me feel? If it's a bud, is there a new? beginning in that person's life or in that, or, you know, subject of, of question, or are the petals falling off? That's a completion. Thorns could be protection. So that's one thing we do with the rose. And then another thing, as you mentioned, cleansing, you can imagine a gold sticky rose, kind of like a feather duster or something magnetic or like a vacuum, and then take it through your field and take it through your body and your energy body. And just wherever you feel, maybe you feel kind of fuzzy in your head or tight in your low back or heavy in your heart, take the rose where you need it and let it vacuum all that stuff out. And then again, send it off. You can imagine it flows, you know, floats off to the edge of the horizon and goes poof in a burst of light. And you're just giving that energy back to whoever it belongs to or to wherever it belongs. And then hopefully you feel a little better. So those are a few ideas for the rose. I think that's good too. And I I liked the fact that you mentioned if somebody was in a hospital or if you were in some kind of environment that wasn't necessarily yours, but you had maybe a hotel room or someplace you had to be for a period of time. That's another visualization that you could use. That's very protective. To use it to set the energy in a room or space, I mm-hmm. believe is what you're referring to. So mm-hmm. you put like a gold rose in the corners of the room. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're putting your child to bed at night. You know, you can do this to just set the energy in your child's room or for yourself in a place you're meditating. Or like you say, if someone's in the hospital, you don't have to be physically there. You can visualize just, and I do this a lot for my clients. They're like, my dog's having surgery or my mom's in the hospital. Okay. Let's just put a gold rose in every corner, ground the room, ground everybody there. It doesn't, it's not interfering. It's just saying, we're just going to bring the highest light and presence to this situation and the most divine, you know, energy that we can. Would you also use a, a rose, maybe a, a white rose when someone's um, leaving their body and heading back home to the other world? <laughs> and in what way using the white rose? Would you, would you, how would you protect someone who has recently died and is, and is on their soul's journey back to the other side? 
Mm, that's a big question. You know, it kind of depends on where they're at. And mm-hmm. I do work a lot with that too. People ask me about their loved ones that are either getting close to the transition or have just transitioned, or maybe it's been a long time, but they're still feeling incomplete or they want to talk to that person. Um, you know, some people are ready to go and then I help connect them to the light. Other people need a little healing before they're ready to transition or they do want to say something to their loved ones. And so kind of depends on the circumstances. Okay. So in that case, somebody might want to give you a call and, and, and walk through that individual situation. Yeah. And if they ask me what's going on with my loved one who has passed, I can see, Now, I'm not a medium in the sense I don't channel and change my voice and take their energy into my body. I'm a medium in, in the sense of I channel myself <laughs> and I have a section on that in my book too. So if people have a certain expectation of what happens when somebody talks to your loved one, I'm a little more, um, I'll stay in my own body and I'll just kind of knock on their door energetically or psychically send a hello. And sometimes I'll get like, they don't want to talk and other times they'll have a lot to say, mm-hmm. but often if somebody's kind of in a closed down space, I can often give them some healing. You know, I can't say hundred percent cause they have free will, but generally speaking, if somebody's asking me about a loved one, either there's a message they're meant to receive or that loved one is telling them to call me because that loved one needs a healing. And that's more often than not the case. Yeah. Or there's some unfinished business quite often too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to normalize that for everybody. This is just something that goes on all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. The, so I love another thing that I liked in your book is that you like, one thing I really like about you is that you're very practical and grounded. You know, you're just, you're in your body. You're here. You're a mom. I love your daughter, Ozaday. You know, <laughs> and uh, who's also, I mean, she, she's, she takes the cake, right? That one. <laughs> Look out world. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just wait, just wait for that one. Anyway, she, um, you, one thing that you do that I think is important for us to do on a daily basis is grounding, you know, grounding, you know, in this world, in the, we are here, we have a body for a reason. We have this makeup for a reason here. And, um, so would you like to take people maybe through a grounding visualization? Yeah, sure. Um, so why don't you just go ahead and close your eyes if you're listening at a place where you're able to do that. And if not, maybe come back later um, if you're driving or whatever. So finding a place to sit and close your eyes and just check in with your body and your breath. And just simply allowing more breath out gently, letting your belly empty, pulling it in towards the spine and then allowing more breath in, letting the belly fill and then letting the breath rise up as you sit tall. Softening on the exhale, feel your sit bones rooting down into your chair, seat, floor, wherever you are. And then go ahead and imagine a giant tree trunk that begins at your hips and goes all the way down to the center of the earth. And let this tree be as wide as your hips. Let the trunk be hollow and strong. And then see the roots wrap all around the core of Mother Earth. And just see that this connection is sealed at the bottom, sealed at the top. And Breathe in. And then on your next exhale, imagine a trap door opening at your pelvic floor and allow your body to just dump out any stress, any tension, anybody else's stuff any old stories, beliefs, or emotions that you don't need to hold anymore. Let them go down. And I think of this as like 
cosmic composting, right? You're just letting the energy get transmuted and released. Mother Earth knows what to do with it. And then you can call yourself in and just imagine if there's part of you that's off with people or in other places or in the future, in the past, just kind of go Yoo-hoo, and call your name and just imagine bringing your awareness now into your body and perhaps even finding a point of light behind your eyes that you can be in or a bubble of light and just find your space of conscious awareness and know that as you go through your day, you can witness instead of getting in the middle of all the drama, just being able to step back and remember who you are. Hmm. Thank you. Yes, my pleasure. So that's something we can do. We can just be fully present. Mm-hmm. And and I think people check out, well, because traumas, it might be a different thing, but we tend to check out when the world seems to be too much, when we're on overwhelm, when the family drama is difficult, but many, many reasons. Mm-hmm. But actually the most empowering way forward is to be fully present. And it, it does has its, have its challenges. Like you said, when you started really working at being psychic, you had to face all these different qualities and capacities and emotions and all sorts of things. So I think there was a reason the um, priestesses of old had a 20 year training process, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a while. And being psychic doesn't make you spiritual. You know, this has come up a lot in some of my intuitive graduate programs and they're seeing the world and they're going, do sometimes people use psychic stuff for bad? I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and my training was, you know, it included a lot of grounding and presence and a lot of ethics, but not everybody had any training and not everybody's coming from good. And yeah, I think in ancient traditions, they would teach you the, all the spiritual stuff. And then later you would discover, well, of course you're psychic and here's how you work with it. You didn't start with being psychic. That just opened naturally as you as you became more attuned and aligned. Yeah, I think that's very true. Um, and and sometimes, I mean, maybe maybe it's not always bad if people are frightened of being psychic because it there it does it is a power. Yeah, you know, or mul- there are multiple superpowers in there. And so, let's talk about ethics for a minute. You do have this in your book too, but it seems to me, and you know, maybe. Generally speaking, the powers don't open until you're ready for them. Um, but definitely, uh, as the superpowers come online, there are moral and ethical tests that come along with them, mm-hmm. I believe. So what, what do you feel about that? Yeah. Well, I think number one is what we just talked about. You have to know how to be grounded. You have to take care of the basics, you know, and often it's even like getting enough sleep, eating the right nutrition, going outside, moving your body, right? If you're not doing those things, you're probably not going to want to be in your body and you're not going to be able to be balanced. But in terms of once your psychic abilities are coming online, how do you, how do you use them ethically? So I give some guidelines, actually, I'm curious to find that part in the book, but one is to always Well, never read without permission, right? Never read another person without permission. Always ask first. So if they're not there, you can ask psychically, but generally if it's somebody sitting in front of you, you say, would you like a reading? Or if it's a friend sharing something, like, would you like to know what I see about that? And always respect and know if you get one, you know, because sometimes they don't want you to look and they don't want you to know. And that's part of what got me in trouble early in my life is I thought I could heal everybody around me. (laughs) Mostly they didn't want it. 
Um, so that is really important. Here I am, ethics and integrity. I have a checklist. So if you sense something sensitive while reading someone, you know, let's say you're picking up on some sort of abuse or some secret or something, you're like, oh my God, I don't know if either they want to know this or if they want me to know this or, you know, if this is something that's appropriate to say right now. So when I come across some sensitive information, I'll ask internally, do I, am I meant to share this? And if so, how do I share this? And I always believe there's a way to share things, which is helpful. And there's a way to share things, which is not so helpful. So that's been the, one of the biggest parts of my journey. Again, not learning to be psychic. That was the easy part, but having real life people in front of me who are vulnerable and going, how do I express this artfully so I can best support them if I'm seeing something sensitive. And the other thing I have in here is to set clear boundaries So setting a time and place. So, you know, I don't know how many listeners are going to be professional psychics, but even if you're playing with this with your friends, you know, you can get into where it's always kind of back and forth and there's no boundaries and it blurs between this is our time to hang out and have fun together. And this is our time to heal or help each other. And it can get uncomfortable if somebody's coaching when they didn't want the other person didn't want to be coached or healed. So when I do trades, let's say with my colleagues and psychic friends, we'll set a specific time and we'll say 10 minutes for you, 10 minutes for me, or half an hour, whatever it is. And there's a clear, okay, beginning and ending. And if people are playing with doing psychic readings, have a clear, I always say a prayer before I begin, have a clear intention and a marker. Here's where we're beginning the reading open the door and always set the intention for the highest good and the most divine light, because that way you're going to get the most loving and light filled guidance. Right. And then when you're done, have a clear ending, whatever that means. And I'll teach my students to clear their energy after a reading, anything they took on from the other call their energy back that they might've projected outward, or if they spaced out and got triggered, right. Call it back. And I think all these things really help to um, create a sacred space for this work. I think that's really, it's really true. You know, if, when you look at it, at um, the Rider Waite tarot and you read it, you might realize, and then this is not Alistair Crowley, he might've taken a different direction, but definitely with uh, Rider Waite, um, there are virtues that are taught, there are ethics and virtues that are taught in tarot. And there are many people that believe that tarot can be a path to enlightenment, which I remember surprising me in the in the beginning because we always thought of tarot as being kind of sinister. It can go both directions. Right. Um, and again, like he said, if just because you're psychic doesn't mean that you're spiritual. So so it seems to me that one way, to, another way to protect yourself is to 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 become spiritual <laughs> to really allow this crown chakra to open and get really get to know the divine. And there are yeah. many, many different faces of the divine, but get to know the, the divine as it's unfolding for you. Um, another exercise that I really liked in your book, I, I told you before, but it, this was my favorite in the book. Because you, you go through chakras, you go through, and, and and if people don't know the chakras and how you work with them and what happens in each one, you know, definitely get everyone a psychic and read through those passages. Um, but uh, I love color. I taught color therapy for a long time. And so that, that's the, that was in the, especially in the beginning, that was the language that spoke to me. And, and like he said, you, I thought of a friend, I thought we think of a color or color combination. And so that, that really, um, I learned to trust the color information that I was getting still, still use it. Um, 
Now you talked about the three rings uh, above the the crown, and that this would mean if you have three rings above your halos, it means that you're developing spiritually. So you're that's not going to necessarily just be a psychic situation. That's going to be a spiritual development. Um, but you talked about the three energies: the energy of creation at the very top, right? The energy of destruction in the middle, because you have to destroy in order to create. They go together, and also <laughs> the energy of maintenance. And to talk about that a little bit. That was really lovely. Yes. Yeah, so this is something when I was in psychic school, we were we were taught about these three rings. And I'm like, what are they for? And my teacher <laughs> didn't tell me. And I, I don't know why they wouldn't tell me. It was sort of like, you go look at that for yourself. So I did. And this is what I saw. And ancient traditions speak about this. So in the Hindu tradition, there's Vishnu is the maintenance aspect of creation. There's um, Shiva, the destructive aspect. And then there is Brahma, the creative aspect. And then in Christianity, we have the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost. So we have it, the Holy Ghost being the destructive, the father being the creative, and the son being the preserved. So we have these archetypes. And so anyone you know listening to this, if you want to meditate and just visualize, these are like above the top of your head. So you have your crown chakra, which some see as a halo in and of itself. But then above that, I start about a foot above and just take a look. And there's three additional rings spaced about a foot or more apart. The bottom one is maintain, the middle one is destroy, and the top one is create. And you can kind of take a look and see what colors are those. What shape are they? And most of us never look up there. Even my advanced students, they just the other day, they're like, I looked at my rings and they look messy. I'm like, yeah, you got to check them more often, right? (laughs) Because we are creative beings as spirits in bodies. We are here to create. But, you know, what's popular in our culture is here's what I'm doing. Look at all the exciting things that are manifesting for me. And like, you know, and that's why nobody likes to do the dishes because, (laughs) you know, you have to also maintain, you got to take your car for the oil change. You got to, you know, do all these things to keep things up and then destroying, you know, destroying can be addictive. Some people love to destroy and they get volatile and they get moody or "Ah!" right. And there's, you know, certain entities that like to feed off that and the drama and the sabotage, but then there's also the divine feminine aspect of destroying, which is very sacred and like really cutting out the, you know, BS so that we can have our creative flow. Right. So this is good too. And being able to let go and life does have its endings, you know, just death in and of itself. We're all going to experience on some level. We all have to have endings in order to birthing a child is an ending in a way. Right. So being able to have all three aspects. And so you can look at those rings visually and just balance them out, use the gold sticky rose, perhaps cleanse them, imagine putting them back into alignment and then see what happens and maybe do a little journaling and like, what do I like better creating, destroying and maintaining? What is my relationship to each? And how could I have a healthier relationship with each one? Also asking what phase am I in right now? Cause it's rare to be in more than one phase at any given time. It's hard to do that. And it kind of muddies things up. So you're not really clearly in any phase and it slows down your creation. So being able to accept, okay, right now I'm in a letting go phase and I'm just going to be with that, you know, or I'm in a creative phase and I'm going to go with that. And not, none of them are all, all the way easy. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really true. It is. Each one has this challenge and each one has this gift and, yeah. and, and we'll go through all three and in, in, in our life, but we, if we check in, we can, we, as you said, we, you, are we in a destructive, are things breaking down right now? Am I getting divorced? Is there something going on there? Am I bringing a child into the world? Am I you know, or am I just maintaining the family? Am I maintaining what, you know, so, so we yeah. can, we can check into all those different things and there might, we might move all through all three in one, you know, in an hour, you, you never That's know. Right. It's <laughs> not that we can't have them all in an hour or in a day, but don't try to like 
be in no man's land. Don't try to like do it all at once because it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, I do Aikido, this martial art where it's, there's a lot of polarity. Like you have to either strongly attack or, or completely receive and to be able to be fluid with it. You know, that's a great life skill. I think that's part of being psychic is, is showing up being fully present and what's needed in this moment. Am I, do I need to show up in a really kind hearts heart centered way right now? Or maybe that's not how I'm needed. Maybe right now I need to be super aggressive and get somebody yeah. out of my space. Like you, you know, we, we tend to know, like, so I see it as a color, like if a red shows up, well, that means somebody needs to back off probably, you know, <laughs> or, you know, depending on, you know, for green lights coming in, it's like, oh, let's just be really super heart centered and connected. Like we are right now, you know, so it's yeah. like, and yeah. it's all spiritual. None of it is yeah. not spiritual. And, you know, I teach people while you have to clear out other people's emotions, you need to feel your own, you know, and if you feel anger and you're clean about it and it's authentic, it's very pure and it's very cleansing and clarifying. It's not bad as we label it to be. Oh, I actually really like red. I think red has to do with strength. I mean, ultimately, of course, if we're acting, acting it out, we can, we can use it in a way that's abusive, which we don't, of course, we don't want to do that. We don't want to, I like to practice no harm, but if, if red's really coming in, it's, it's very life affirming and we need red to be in a body, to be on this planet, to navigate what we have to go through. So it's, I think of it as an energy of strength and awakening. So Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, yeah. And they're all like that. All the colors ha- have their challenge. There's not one. I mean, red, red is the most obvious because it's the, the largest wave. So we, we know that one the most, but mm-hmm. they're, they're all have their, they all have their challenges. I remember yellow being a challenge in some, some of the classes, <laughs> because that's the, that's the yellow is where, when you also experience yourself as separate from. Oh, you know, <laughs> and so we were teaching yellow classes and everybody would suddenly start getting into conflict, you know, and then we had oh, to <laughs> right? be very scattered, you know, yellow can be right. happy, and optimistic, but it can be very yeah. intellectual and very scattered. Mm-hmm. My yeah, dad right. me to paint the whole house yellow. I'm like, please, your room is fine, yeah. but please don't paint. You know? <laughs> no, you'll get, you'll get confused, and you'll. <laughs> so that's the challenging side of yellow. But then, of course, the the it can also take you to bliss, and it can take right. you in, in, right. Yeah. So the, and happiness and giggles, but smaller amounts tend to to do. To, you know, if you think of the sun. Right. There's a sun and a big blue sky. So anyway, if you want more unity, then you then you go into the blue. And right. Then, we can coexist that way, you know, that sovereignty and the kingdom. So <laughs> in the book, which people might like regarding the colors where you imagine out in front of you, a rose that's red, and mm. then you let all your attraction or aversion to red go in that rose, any place you're not neutral to red, and then you blow up the rose and then you do it through the whole rainbow. And that's a great kind of catch all cleansing and finding your sovereignty, finding your spiritual freedom, because if you can clear your, you know, triggers around the whole rainbow, then you're pretty free. I wish I had known that exercise when I was teaching the color classes because we would have gone through it much more quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. So let's go into the sort of practicalities. Um, So you're seeing clients now and you are, uh, so you're doing a lot of readings, mostly online these days, or are you seeing people in person? What's happening with that? I do both. I work on phone and Zoom. And then I work, if anyone's in Colorado, at a place called True Nature Healing Arts, which is a beautiful sanctuary space here in Carbondale, Colorado. 
Um, I also teach intuitive training programs, and those have been by Zoom, and those are six-month programs. So the latest one started in February and hopefully do another one in the fall. I don't have it all set yet, um, but people can check out my website for info. And I do periodic free webinars and local events as well, book signings and things. Okay. So this is, this podcast will just, will run forever. So the, so people won't be able to find an, ex, an, an event necessarily, but is there an event uh, maybe on your website, if they look under events, they can see what's currently happening. That's right. They can click on intuitive training for those programs or events for upcoming, you know, one-time events. And it's annobryanliving.com or what might be easy to remember is everyoneispsychic.com. That'll take you there too. Oh, you have both now. And don't you have an Instagram page? Instagram is at annobryanliving, A-N-N-O-B-R-I-E-N living and Facebook as well. And Facebook too, because I see you put up these beautiful quotes, these like uplifting quotes. Yeah, I enjoy this. Um, so, okay, so now we, we know about your book, and we know about your practice, and your and something about your classes. And what do you see next? Like, what it is, you know? We're kind of getting to the end of the um, pod, uh, the episode here. What message would you like to leave everybody with? You know, one thing that's been coming up since I released this book, and this wasn't the specific focus of the book, but like the children need this and the young people need this. Mm. So I just really encourage parents to start to, not that you have to teach kids to be psychic, but just start to recognize that they're energy beings. And there's little things from this book that kids get. My daughter's been doing it since she was born. Um, You know, and I do envision, you know, I'm going to get back into teaching kids Aikido and I do envision, you know, in schools and the world is changing in the realm of school because of everything that's happened the last few years. There's new forms of education and learning centers and just things popping up. So for I, I just envision for the future that kids and young people won't have to go as long as I did without this information, that this can be part of our awareness from the beginning of our lives. And that's my hope going forward. I totally agree with you. When my, when my kids came along, I have, I have a, a son and a daughter. And when they came along, I had been, well, my daughter was actually quite young when I was doing my, my color world um, and my son a little bit older, but um, I made sure that that language was part of their schooling. And I homeschooled both of them for a little bit because, and they still use it. And they were, they've both been telling me recently that, they were so happy that they had that skill set during the pandemic because they had the ability to tap into their own heart and their own guidance and then navigate. And that's why I think it's really important for all young people, not just young people, I mean, really any age, but maybe specifically young people because of all the challenges that we've been in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that so that people can find their sovereignty, they mm-hmm. understand you know, because it is a little bit like a martial art. I mean, we, we need to be a martial artist these days, right? Yeah. I think of Skaya in the old, uh, she's a character in that Legends of the Grail book I wrote. And, and if somebody wanted to become a hero, they had to go to see the martial artist, the, the sorceress, Skaya. And they had to wow. jump across a, 30, a 33-foot ravine and there were skulls at the bottom because not everybody could make the jump, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds like my life lately. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to the other side. <laughs> I don't care what's happening. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> and then when, 
if you did land there, she would be waiting for you and she would have already read your future while you were jumping. And she oh, would wow. know if you were, if you could be a hero or not. And if you were, then yeah. she would train you. And if not, she would just throw you in the ditch. But anyway, I, <laughs> I always really liked her. You know, she could yeah. shape shift. She could, and she was magical. She would teach them how to cast glamour so that they would ride into the field and they would, and it would look as though like the mist would come and it looked like 10,000 people were with them, even if they were alone. Anyway, those are, those are the myths and stories that I love, but there's, there's truth to it. You know, there's truth to being a martial artist in this world. And I, that's one of the reasons I, I really like everyone is psychic because these are, these are qualities and capacities that we need right now. I mean, we, we talk a lot about going into fifth dimensional reality and maybe what it is is instead of being forced to stay small and separate and enslaved, we're really uh, being invited to use much more of who we truly are as human beings. Mm-hmm. And we are sending and receiving stations. I mean, psychic is a two-way street. It's not just what you're picking up. It's really, how are you? And that's getting into those creative rings. And how are you showing up as a spiritual being in the world? I think that's huge. And you you touched on it a little while ago. And I think it's something all the listeners might, might think about today, too, is that uh, most mornings, I try to do it every morning, but also most mornings when I get up, I have a little altar and I like to light a candle and just send goodness to all four directions, just goodness and light and love. And if there's something difficult happening in the world, especially light and love to those places. And it seems like a small gesture, But the more of us that do that, the more of us that are sending love and light and goodness and integration and blessings around the world, the, you know, I feel we can have a huge impact actually. Mm -hmm. Yes. The world uh, is made up of us. Do you want to add to that? Just that, you know, that we, we all matter. Every person matters, everything we do, the littlest things. And I also want to say for anyone going through a hard time, you know, you can't escape hard times in life, but doing a spiritual practice or some sort of gesture of positivity, it really does make a difference in bringing grace into your life and protecting you. And in addition, it will create a ripple effect in the world to help the world. Okay. So I'm trying to wrap up the, the, (laughs) the episode, but another, uh, something else is coming in. So let's, let's talk about this just for a minute. I have heard, and it's very upsetting, but I've heard that the mental illness rate is up by 65%. Um, you know, I guess because of the pandemic and the people have been separated, we're not meant to be separate. We're meant to be, to live as a community. So what happened, um, has impacted all of us in, in different ways. So one of the ways that I feel that we can re- address what's happening here, that what I understand is that inquiry, spiritual inquiry is one of the main paths to self-realization, also to mental health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And so if you have found yourself in a depression or you feel scattered or you have too much yellow in your kitchen, right? <laughs> so <laughs> you've gone a little confused, then um, do reach out, reach out to Anne. You can reach out to me. You can reach out to a friend. You can reach out to someone and develop an inquiry practice. We, my husband and I have a daily inquiry practice. Um, and I have a group of people that we, that I meet with once a month for inquiry practice. And the, these things sustain me and they're 
free. They're easy to do. I mean, we can we can form community, ask each other questions. And we have a lot of questions, especially younger people have a lot of questions to ask each other and to begin to solve about the climate and about all kinds of things that are, you know, medical, everything that's going on the planet right now. It's all, it's changing. But I believe that it's changing because we're awakening and because we, we are going into a, a time of higher consciousness, a time where there is more light. It's really actually pretty exciting. Are we going into a golden age? I believe we are. We're kind of not maybe at the twilight. Yeah, we just at the just at the beginning. Just at the we've been in the dawn for a long time. But when you think about twelve thousand year cycles, that's a of course the dawn is going to be maybe a century. So, what do you feel? I mean, if somebody uh, and um, if somebody's having a, a challenging time, maybe they just realize that they're psychic and they're. You know, I hear I have people call me all the time. I'm, I'm hearing voices. I'm like, well, it's probably an aspect of who you are. You know, but what would um how would they begin to deal with that? What would be the next step? Well, you gave a lot of great suggestions. I think we've talked about a lot of great things. You know, another thing that's coming to me is I listen to a lot of Gregorian chants and different sacred sounds and mantras from different traditions. That's another thing that's free just to boost the vibration. Because like you said, people hear voices, you know, I liken it to, if you're a natural medium, if you're naturally psychic, you walk through a crowd, your head's going to look like a light bulb to the flies, you know, that want to come like, you know, the fly catchers that are like bright lights and then, you know, zap them. Not that you're going to zap them, but you're going to attract them, right? If you're a bright light or if you're somebody who's spiritually open. And so that can be really a confusing place to be. And my opinion is a lot of quote unquote mental illness is a psychic issue. Right. And so if you can start with what am I available for and what is my vibration, that could be listening to something that could be food, nutrition, that could be positive friendships and community support could be going into nature, but do whatever you can to boost your vibration. Cause if your vibration is in a good place, you're not going to receive so much disturbing energy and you're going to calm the anxiety and things like that. Now you did talk about presence, you know, being, being fully present, doing a a grounding exercise, bringing yourself fully into your body so that you can really, really show up for yourself. Of course, I'm going to throw out there too, that if we abuse drugs and alcohol, it it creates mental disturbance. So if you're, if you're developing spiritually, those are things that you want to probably let go of in your life, um, or at least take to a, a bare minimum. So, uh, so anyway, I, (laughs) <laughs> we could keep going with this. You know, it's, it's an ongoing discussion. We, we want to support everyone who who's listening. And I want really, I think today people to, to realize that, okay, we had a history of burning witches at the stake, which is quite unfortunate. We killed off a lot of the native people, which is horrible. All of these things are now coming to light. They need to come to light. 8 million, 8 million women were burned at the stake you know, as witches, which is horrific. And so sometimes when, when your intuitive capacities are opening, you might have flashes of past life scenarios or things that you might've witnessed, or just, there's just a collect, a collective fear around that. So that's one of the things that you have to navigate, or I had to navigate for, for sure. (laughs) I kept seeing heads on stakes, which was just like terrifying. And then it turned out that I, had um, a, a great grandfather who's who, who was beheaded for being the wrong religion at the wrong time, and is in, in Edinburgh. Wow. And 
anyway, so it, they flash up and it's because it is, it is actually literally part of, of our ancestral DNA. So it's real. And when intense things happen that you can't handle personally, that's when you need to reach out. That is when you need to find that person. That doesn't mean that you have to be with that spiritual teacher forever or be with a guru forever. Any No, you just need that positive reflection for a period of time until you really do uh, find free yourself and then claim your sovereignty. So I, I really encourage people to work together as groups and teams and, and find beautiful spiritual people that you can trust. There, there are, you know, people who pretend and will take advantage of people. So you have to be cognizant that that goes on too in the spirit, in the spiritual and psychic worlds. But, you know, that's again, part of being the martial artist and, and, and staying with your truth meter, do you feel like you can trust someone? Do you feel like this is someone that you can trust your heart with? That's who you want to be with. If you mm-hmm. don't feel that, trust that too. Walk away. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, the colors. I Back to the colors, right? If you can read your colors, you can kind of... I used to always do this. I would say, um, I would meet someone and I would I would just ask my guides, okay, so what, what color combination have we got here? And depending on what came forward, I, I had a pretty good sense of whether this is someone I had to be a little careful around, or this is someone that could just come on into the inner circle, you know? Yes. I made a video on, it's on my, I have a YouTube as well at Anne O'Brien living, how to be or choose a healer with clean energy. So Mm -hmm. folks can check that out if they're curious about that subject. And I'll also say, you don't have to be perfect to be a healer and the person you choose doesn't have to be enlightened. And I say healing happens if someone else is neutral where you're not. So we all have our triggers. We all have our stuff that we get stuck on, but you might just talk to a friend who doesn't have that particular issue and you get a huge healing because they show you another perspective and a bigger, more spaciousness around that thing that you're so tunnel vision about. That's, that's a good point. So in your book, you talk about neutrality. Why don't you share that for a minute? And we'll, I'll, then I'll try to, um, okay. <laughs> well, I, I see neutrality. People don't generally prefer neutrality or they're not interested in neutrality because neutrality sounds like it's just this boring, flat apathy. And it's everything but that neutrality, as I see it, it's being free in relationship to everything. So it's being able to witness anything, experience anything and not get triggered, not get off your center. And ultimately as spiritual beings, we include it all. So why get tripped up on it? But we do. And that's what you said. We're, we're in a human journey. We're in a body. There's drama. We're meant to go through stuff. But then in order to keep coming back to our healing and our peace inside, we have to keep finding that neutrality, but it is a freedom and it's an enlightened, elevated state. It's a very like high energy state, in my opinion, to be neutral. That's one of the reasons I love doing readings. Cause every time I do a reading, I have to go up, oh, take the, the saying in the Bible is, you know, why, like, I can't remember something about take the log out of my eye so I can take the splinter out of your eye. Right. So oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very freeing. So I, I hope people can walk away feeling that neutrality and just maybe spaciousness or however you want to look at it. It feels good. I know when I did my first psychic fair some years ago in England, uh, Dottie Hook, who who was training me at the time, said, um, now, whatever you're working on right now uh, will show up today in the form of a person. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I uh, was she was so spot on, you know, (laughs) anyway. (laughs) 
<laughs> it did help as I sat there and shook, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> if we're, in, if we're neutral and if we're in a more objective uh, mindset, then we, we, she always said to act as a mirror, you know, so we used to wear white and so we oh. would act as a mirror. So Perfect. we weren't sort of putting our stuff on people. We were just reflecting back yeah. another person so that they could evolve. So anyway. they can feel your vibration that you're whole and that you're relaxed and neutral, and then they can feel that in themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really, mm-hmm. you know, I think ultimately when we find these very special people like you, like Dottie, like some of these lovely people that I found in, around the world, um, we realize that we have been fortunate to, to, uh, find a very, very good friend. So thank you for being my very good friend. Thank you. This is a great conversation. I really appreciate it. <laughs> very good. And I will, and I just want to add to that. Ultimately, if you really want to find your best friend right now, everybody listening, find a mirror and look in the mirror because the person they are looking back at you is your best friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you and for being on the show. And I hope the listeners have enjoyed it. They've got lots of techniques to, to go work with. If you want to reading with Anne, you know where to go. And, uh, and, and also if you just want to read through the book, it's really lovely. Everyone is psychic and, and there are all kinds of exercises and things you can try out there. It's on Audible too, by the way, if people want to be able to listen and not have to look at the book, because there's a, it's a workbook with guided meditation. So it's paperback, ebook, or Audible, whatever they prefer. Well, it might be nice to have both. I have to say you can have, I like, I quite often like to, to mm-hmm. have an Audible and then have the book to, to write in, you know, mm-hmm. so I, actually, if you can't see my book right here, but I've written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> the copy that you sent me. Yeah, I left space for them to write in. In fact, there's about a 20 page blank section in the back for the intuition journal. Yeah. Very good. Well, well done. Thanks for all the good work you're doing in the world. I really appreciate it. This has been great. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. Okay. So much love and much love. Many blessings to all the listeners as well. May wisdom reveal its secrets to you one message at a time. Many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.